Oh, a shower of babies. Nice. Yeah, I hope it's a full shower of babies. It would be really embarrassing if it was only like three or four. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 38. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend, Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. This week, I watched the movie Looper, and you listened to the band Paramore. I sure did. I noticed that you like took the took the time to take a drink while I was doing that whole intro. And, yeah, um, and, yeah, yeah. My, uh, and you didn't ask me how I was doing. I try to avoid it when I can, but sometimes it's just automatic. Oh, it's just automatic. Yeah, I always do appreciate it when you when you do say it, and it is a challenge for me to not answer when you ask me how I'm doing. So I I do appreciate the uh, the thoughtfulness of also not asking me. <laughs> I'm just thoughtful no matter what. That's how I am. You are. You can't help yourself. Uh, anyway, so how was uh, your week? You performed yeah, today. This week, I'm not just a music fan. I'm also a musical producer, a, mu- a music maker. Yeah, yeah. Just got back from the Battle of the Bands like an hour ago. Uh, it was really fun. Had a great time. Uh, I feel like I did pretty well. I did not win the Battle of the Bands, but that's Aww. okay because it was a uh, fundraiser for Girls Rock Milwaukee, and that went very well. So very happy. I uh, loved all the other bands that were part of the competition. It was a lot of fun. I got to hear a lot of music that I had not otherwise heard before. Uh, It was a a really good experience. That's awesome. I'm so glad. It sounds like, oh, man, what a fun day it sounds like. Uh, I'm glad you had that for yourself. Anything else big going on this week? Uh, boy, big, oh yeah, it's a big week. Uh, my birthday is coming up uh, next Saturday, and yeah. so we're going to be going up to the Twin Cities, uh, a, a place you actually know pretty well yeah. from your time in college. That's where we met. Yeah, that's where we met. Uh, going up to the Minnesota Renaissance Fair on Friday, and then we have a uh, baby shower on Sunday to go to. Oh, a shower of babies. Yep. Nice. Uh, yeah, I hope it's a full shower of babies. It would be really embarrassing if it was only like three or four, you know? You're like, yeah, well, that yeah. was disappointing. You know, I was just telling my mom, I think, the story of how you and I met. And, uh, you know, because she listens to the podcast. And so she was commenting that we have uh, a fine rapport. And uh, and I was talking to her. I, t- I told her that you were one of the very first people I met uh, when I went to college. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the first person I met. I don't know. Or at least the first person I met that of any subs- substance. Subsequence? <laughs> consequence. Uh, subs- subsequent for. substance and consequence, I think, is how yes, that goes. Consequential substance. Yes. Uh, words are hard. They sure yeah. are. Yeah. But we, I went downstairs to check out the pool table, and there you were playing some pool, and I played There I was playing pool. Yeah, it's funny. I had a big I, I loved to play pool when I was in high school and nobody I knew had a pool table so I didn't get to do it very often when we got to the dorm there was a pool table in the basement and so for the first week or so I played pool uh, a lot and then yeah. almost never played the entire rest of the yeah. time I was, it was like well because you explored and had other things to do like there was ping pong over at the student union and I, uh virtual yep. fighter Yep. I think I played a little bit of uh, pool over at the Student Union, too. I don't know why I paid over there when I could have done it for oh, free. at when the... there was a free one? Yeah. No, I don't know. 
they, uh, I do remember also uh, video games a lot. So you introduced me to, to Civilization, mm -hmm. which I think came on something like four three and a half inch floppy disks oh, or if, eight. Yeah, it was a lot. I think that one or might have been discs. five or six. Yeah, it was it was a big yeah, one. Yeah, and you had to uh, install it. I had a, and I, I remember I was so excited to share. You had a 486, uh, Intel 486 computer in your dorm room, and I got myself a Pentium uh, 75 megahertz uh, computer from Best Buy, like halfway through my freshman year, yeah. I was so excited for it. Screaming speed, screaming speed, so fast. Eight whole megabytes of RAM, yeah, and uh, one of them was shared for video, uh, <laughs> and an 850 megabyte hard drive. Really, it was that big? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty big for the era. And I and I very quickly upgraded that to a 1.2 gigabyte hard drive. That's incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, you know the uh, the band files that I work with now for when I'm recording yeah. are <laughs> around a gigabyte a piece, right? Yeah, yeah, they are <laughs> for for each one of my like little four minute songs. It is crazy how uh, like willy nilly we are about data these days. I mean, I, and I do remember keeping track of the cost of uh, of data like as far as hard drives go, and it used to be like a hundred dollars a gig was a good like you know, estimate of how, and now it's like a hundred dollars a terabyte for an external drive is what you can, ex no, le less than that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bought an eight terabyte drive for something like 250 or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Nice. Ugh, crazy. Anyway, uh, my week was, um, pretty much a little bit of limbo, like emotional limbo for me. I'm nothing that I was so concerned with last week has been resolved. The, the strike is still going on. Although, by the time you listen to this, dear listener, it might be over. There is some promising activity going on right now as we record this. And um, I'm still waiting to hear about Coco's insurance. So uh, it's just that I've got that big, you know, Coco debt hanging over my head at the moment uh, that has not been dealt with. So, uh, but otherwise, it was a fine week. Uh, certainly time helped me become less acutely frustrated than i was last week so yeah time does have it have that effect a little bit so yeah sure sure uh i did enjoy our assignments this week so i'm uh, extremely uh happy to get into them but before we do that one little note that relates to uh one recent episode did you hear about sifjan stevens yes he had oh gosh uh, uh tell he's me. got he was diagnosed with guillain Barr syndrome yeah that's what it was yeah. And uh so he basically he basically woke up one day and had lost the ability to walk. Yeah. And uh and so he you know he was taken to the emergency room and he was in, he's in the hospital I think now and uh so he is up, he, he last I read he is supposed to make a pretty full recovery but it's just going to take time because he he has to learn how to walk again. Yeah. And uh, I think that's just so crazy. A friend of mine her daughter suffered from Guillain-Barr at like two and a half or three years old and very much Whoa. yeah had to had to relearn how to walk and all that good things so well that's an interesting thing so I, I so it's not just a older people and he and 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 uh Sifian isn't old he's our age yeah so um he's like 48 so uh, I guess age is not really an influence on that yeah age is not is not really the thing for that one wow so. okay well that's good that's interesting to learn but i thought that was very interesting considering i had just learned about him and mm -hmm. um and so and and to have that happen show up on my newsfeed was um 
was surprising. So, uh, yeah, enjoy your health while you got it, folks, because yeah. you never know. We are not promised tomorrow, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. We are not promised tomorrow. That's interesting. I like that. I like yeah. that. So, why don't we today uh, get into the meat? Yeah, let's get into the meat. Let's uh, switch yeah. it up a little bit this week yeah. and go Shake with the music first. Yeah, let's go with the music first. Tell All me right. about Terry. Tell me about Paramore. Tell you about Terry Paramore. Well, actually, <laughs> that's not what I said at all. Uh, close enough. Uh, Paramore is American rock band. They, I, th I would characterize them at least their early stuff as pop punk. They've, they're a little more wide ranging now. They're actually only a three piece. They don't have a bassist, and their mm. lead singer is Haley Williams, and she was only sixteen when Paramore started. Um, when, when was that? That was on. in uh, 2004. So she was born okay. in 1988. Uh, they were formed in 2004. Their debut album came out in uh, 2005. And they've uh, released a bunch of albums since then. Uh, and they're all pretty darn good. So I gave you a playlist that mm -hmm. really spans their entire career. Uh, one of the things that I really like about Paramore is, like I said, they're they're rooted in sort of the pop punk tradition but they bring in a lot of sort of different styles of music and, you know, unusual uh, rhythms and, and things that keep it, I feel like, keep it fresh for me. So mm -hmm. Haley Williams is a powerhouse of a vocalist, uh, and they're really good. Yeah. What would you think, Travis? Uh, so I will say that I enjoyed this uh, a bit more than uh, other recent uh, bands that we've listened to or, or musical artists. And uh, it... It is interesting because one of the things I loved was the variety, and that's definitely something that I have uh, poked at as a as a detriment to some of our recent listens, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, but this band or this group feels like they have a, a lot of interesting variety. So the second song on the playlist uh, was, um, uh, do you remember what it was called? Uh, I don't remember the name it. of it. I'm sorry. It's uh... that's all right. I'll pull it up right here. It's uh, "Ain't It Fun." Ain't It and, Fun. Uh, so yeah. it comes off of their uh, self-titled album Paramore, and uh, it is a fairly recognizable song. I think I remember hearing it at some point in the past, but this time through, it was I it was struck by a similarity to uh, the 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 person that popped into my mind was Janet Jackson, and I was like, okay. oh, this this seems like very like Janet Jacksony, except maybe a little evolved, right? Okay, and uh, and I. A couple of times as I was listening to it, I had that sense like, oh, this sounds a lot like uh, so-and-so. Um, and I liked that. I liked that they had a different vibe in each in each song. And, and this was not an album, so it's not like I couldn't really judge it in those terms. But it was nice to hear that they didn't just have one thing. Like, mm -hmm. they didn't have one sound or one type of song that they played. Um Still Into You is the song that uh, I definitely was aware of uh, before this. And it was just, uh, it was also a lot of fun. It was jamming. And I think a lot of their songs had a lot of energy and a lot of, uh, you know, like you said last week, they, they're really good at doing hooks. Yeah. And uh, and I, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. And so um, they were they were all kind of unique. There was... One maybe thing that I didn't, l it's not that I didn't love it. It's just a question that popped into my head. Like, I wonder if 
if I, if you randomly heard a Paramore song, could you identify it as a Paramore song? Because I did kind of get a sense that I, I, I don't know if there was a, if she is a good singer. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, what's her name again? Haley Williams. Haley Williams. She's definitely a good singer. The band is definitely, uh, more than competent. Like they're, they're very, very good, but I don't know if they had their own distinct sound. Do you know? Like, if you listen yeah. to a Queen song, you can tell it's a Queen song, if you, even if you've never heard it before. Mm. And I don't know if that would be true with these guys. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. I do get what you're saying. I don't know. I mean, I do think Haley Williams' voice is pretty... Uh, I think it stands out, right? It's not terribly different from a lot of the female vocalists out there, but there is sort of an edge to her voice and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh i think that she is a better singer than this style of music usually calls for yeah and so yeah. i feel like that stands out quite a bit the instrumentation i think they there is not like a there is not like a signature sound that this guitarist does it, there's yeah, lots of i think you know, funk influences and different, different influences. And I think they experiment with sound a lot. And so yep. that can contribute, I think, to what you're getting at. Yeah. And all that is great. Absolutely. But I, I think what I was trying, what I was finding a hard time finding is the connective tissue, yeah. right? What's the connective tissue between, of this band that is, that is always there despite their doing different types of songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, for me, it's really just the vocal, right? Mm -hmm. The the drummer is obviously super competent in a bunch of different a uh, bunch of different styles. The guitarist is the same way, and so that does give them a lot of ground to cover. But yeah, it it definitely does not necessarily, you know, until I hear her voice, I don't know that it's a Paramore song. And it's funny, I gave mm. the song I gave you first is the. Uh, first single off their new newish album. I think this oh, is a 2023 album. It's called This Is Why. I was wondering why. why you put that song first because it wasn't my favorite. Because it's a uh, yeah, it's a little bit funky, right? It's a little bit odd. Uh, there's uh -huh. some there's some strange rhythms in it, and there's not really a traditional verse. Uh, and then the this chorus pops in. That's kind of. Uh, you know, it's it's a chorus, but it's not like the most chorusy thing. I think the thing that I just the reason that I put it first is because I wanted you to hear what Paramore sounds like now. Sure. Because if you listened to their 2007 album that Misery Business is on, I think it's called Riot or something like that. Yep. I think that there is a lot of sameness on that album. There's okay. not there's not a lot of variety on that album, and. So I wanted you to get the sense that the reason that this band is still around and active and like they just did an arena tour this summer, the reason that they're doing that and able to do that is because they're constantly pushing their sound in new directions. Uh, I see. You and know? so do you think that, um, do you think that, so they're, they're I mean, in the early 2000s. In the early 2000s, like, pop punk was a huge thing, right? You've got your, mm -hmm. you know, Avril Lavigne and a bunch of, like, and then a whole a whole mess oh, of, like, yeah. three and four guy, you know, bands that all kind of played what sounded like the same thing. And Paramore's Riot fits right into that. 
but yep. they've okay. really, really come a long way since then. Okay, so so their their variety or their ability to be uh, have variety within their sound is maybe more album to album than within an album. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes some sense. Um, I did have a good time listening to this, and I think that uh, it would be, at least this playlist is something that I would uh, put on in in a bunch of different uh, scenarios. It checked pretty much all the boxes that I that I normally I want. Uh, you know, it it, it felt it, it felt fun. It felt uh, the 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 lyrics were good. The instrumentation was was very good and and of course as you said um Haley's vocals are are fantastic so um she yeah. one of those things like using my using my karaoke metaphor like if I went to karaoke and heard her sing I'd be like oh damn you yeah. should be bigger than this yeah yeah I'd love to see her sing karaoke I think that would be really fun actually mm. um I th- I'll bet she would have a great time um, you know, one of the, you called out the lyrics and I would definitely agree with you. They do a really nice job of that sort of balancing act that you have to do as a lyricist, which is, you know, you want to talk about the issue that you're talking about, but mm-hmm. you don't want to do it in so direct a way that it's like cheesy or, you know, like, uh, we didn't start the fire or something where it's just like a <laughs> list of like, these are issues that I'm concerned about. Right. Uh, right, right. And I I feel like they really do a nice job lyrically of I know what the songs are about but I'm not being like hit over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. A song they they have each song has a story and it's uh it's a bit poetic but it's not overly poetic. It's not like high school uh you know English student poetry that tries to be a little too right. deep. You know, we've and we've run into that in the past with some of our uh, some of our bands. For sure. Uh, new Pornographers comes to mind. There's, yep. I'm sure all of that has a meaning, but I have no idea what it is. This metaphor yes. is a metaphor for metaphors. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Deep. Yeah. Deep. And, and very, uh, what's, the, what's the word you always use uh, uh, oh. for, yeah, for, all, for those bands that were, uh, they want to be authentic? So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Being deep is, is authentic. Yeah, being deep is authentic. Being deep and un, un, non-understandable. It yeah. makes me authentic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's not Paramore at all. So Paramore has really nope. connected with a lot of people. Like I said, uh, they did an arena tour this summer. Uh, they actually toured with a band called the Linda Lindas that I'll probably give you at some point as well. Okay. Um, Great. But uh, I missed that I show, they were accessible, And I liked that. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what the problem is with being accessible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, right? It like accessibility up to a point and then uh you know, and, and maybe you don't have this particular problem, but there is again the the authenticity issue. If you're accessible to too many people, it, that mm. feels like a negative to a lot of a certain type of music fan. And I think I would yeah. say a lot of the gatekeepers of music. So, yeah. No, that 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 I I get that too. And um I was wondering if the the, the their like their inspiration or their their feel that they were inspired by others if that was a positive or a negative um for them as you know as they were kind of coming out of the scene. What do you think? Uh I I I think I'm missing your point. 
Well, like I like the the Janet Jackson song where I was like, oh yeah, this sounds very oh sure to something. Yeah, yeah, that it. Yeah, you don't want it to necessarily come off as pastiche. No, I I think that they're. But it's also in, not too new, right? In yeah. Order to be like, you know. Yeah. I guess no. I guess most music is an evolution of something else, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's mm. it's funny. You know, there have been these lawsuits recently. I think the Ed Sheeran one is the really high oh, yeah. profile one, uh, where you know lawyers will point out a, a really surface level uh, similarity in the chordal structure of a song and then claim that somehow the copyright in the older song, you know, when sure, the, sure. Yeah. the truth but of the matter is... But then they don't is, go back and, and find an older song that that song was... Yeah. Th that was repeating. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is in, you know, Western music, there's 12 notes, right? Yep. And... So it's Told not that so many ways. it's not that no song ever steals from another, but that the bar needs to be higher than oh well they share the same chords and mm -hmm, a similar mm -hmm. melody. Yeah, they they do because there's only so many places that you can go. So yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes real sense. Um, I yeah, uh, I, I could see definitely a couple of these songs going on my boyfriend playlist, and uh, I would I would put this on. Uh, on, on play sometime yeah. awesome awesome yeah well you did a good uh, job with this playlist thank you thank you very much uh would you like to give this a rating yeah yeah i would i would and oh, not just because it's required by the format of this podcast uh I, I would genuinely enjoy to rate this band and i will thus rate them a uh <laughs> am i buying myself time i don't know I don't know. I honestly don't know what you're doing right now. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to go with a, um, a, a seven, I think. And this is a thing where I could be uh, that I, I again, kind of like Sufjan Stevens, I could allow for this to go up in the future as I become more familiar with the band. But I do think that that feeling that I had that they don't have a like a signature sound hurt them for me a little bit okay. um but yeah so uh, seven i think is pretty fair seven is very fair seven is very fair and you know what it's so fair that i think it's going to be my rating for paramore <gasps> as well yep i i really like this music uh but i am not like the world's biggest paramore fan i like them uh but i don't you know i listened to their new album a couple of times then i kind of put it down uh, so this is, this is a seven for me, solidly positive, but not, not like a must. I got to remember to listen to Paramore this week. You know? Interesting. Do you have, and that raises a question for me, it, because you listen to music in a different way than I do. Do you have albums that you're like, oh, I got to listen to this album this week. You know, it's been too long since I've heard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There are things that just pop into my head and I'm like, oh man, you know, I mean the classic album and this is one of my top 10 albums of all time, but I'm like, man, I haven't listened to Graceland in forever. And so, you know, I gotta, gotta listen to Graceland. What is forever regularly. for you? Is that like, is that like a couple of months or like oh, a couple of years? Or? Uh, maybe, maybe it's a year or two sometimes. I mean, I listen to a lot of music and a wide variety of music, which means yeah. that it's it's actually hard to listen to things more than two or three times. So you don't listen to things more than two or three times because we're on to the next one. And that's kind of right. how I am as well, just in a, you know, a, like I'll probably listen to, you know, 12 or 15 albums this week and you'll listen to one. 
Interesting. You know? Okay. Yeah. Ah, so yeah. You know? So that so you'll have a couple of those. How many of those twelve fifteen albums are new in a week? Uh, probably half of them are really are, like not necessarily. Sorry, not necessarily new to me. I think I misunderstood your question. Oh. New to new to me, it'll probably be two or three. Yeah. Okay, but still, right. that's a I lot. I thought you meant I thought you meant like new music, like the last right. year. Right. Okay, two. but yeah. that does give me still a good insight into your listening, and so like even just to have two or three actually new albums, but then another two or three that are uh, or or maybe half of the remaining will be newish. Uh, yeah. You know, recent. Yeah. albums and then uh, a bunch of classics so I, yeah. that's really fascinating to me i uh, i kind of am maybe the same way with movies in that i'll just put on an old movie sometime and that's kind of comforting to me but yeah. ultimately when i'm walking around doing my thing just you know having the headphones on i'm listening to podcasts yeah for so sure it's all talky talk 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 yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I listened to a, a show called Marketplace, which is on NPR, uh, which is uh, obsessively a show about money, even though I have no earthly business listening to a show about money. <laughs> and But I've been listening to it since, like, 2006. Okay. And I love it. I love it. It's it's actually a show about the economy, and since the economy touches pretty much everything, they do touch on many different topics. But uh, it's a great show. It's a great nice. show. Yeah, and then, of course, a bunch of science podcasts, like... Science Friday and Scientific American. Sciencey stuff. And... Yeah, I love stuff like that. So, uh, if there's any science musicians that you come across that uh, you want to expose me to, that might be interesting. Yeah, I don't know what that would entail, but maybe I'll, I'll try and keep an eye out. I think they're probably, like, I was just listening to a thing about science based comedians recently, so I'm sure there must be science based bands you know well there's definitely like, like nerdy bands that talk yeah, about yeah like they might like be that. giants yeah. has a couple of nerdy songs yeah. and yeah i don't know stuff like that might be fun um cool well we we rated didn't we yeah we did oh yeah. do, do, do i need to tell you about the movie now you need to tell me about the movie now <laughs> All right, well, uh, I had you watch Looper, which is a 2012 science fiction action thriller movie uh, written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who previously had done the movie um, uh, Brick with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and then went on after this to do Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is the middle of the sequel movies. And then he finally had his, what I think, really big hit with Knives Out, which was a murder mystery, and and then its sequel. Um, he also did a bunch of episodes of uh, Breaking Bad, uh, a couple of really highly regarded ones, like uh, Ozymandias he directed, and Fly. I don't know if you ever watched Breaking Bad. I did but, not. Uh, oh, and it's a, it's a perfect show, my man. And um, so, yeah, he... Um, he's an interesting guy. I don't love all of his stuff. I didn't, I didn't like any of the Star Wars sequels, Wrong. particularly but it's the one that you say you like yes. the best of the three. Oh, it's the only good one yes okay and, and i i i differ on my opinion of good uh in this case but um uh, but moving back to this particular movie it's a uh, i wanted to revisit it because i saw it back in the day and it's a time travel movie which I have a particular soft spot in my heart for time travel. I'm going into production next month on a time travel comedy of my own. And I, uh, I love when you can look at the, 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 I don't know, I can't call it science, but the, the genre of time travel and uh, do it in a different way. So in this movie, 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a uh, a looper, which is basically an ass- a paid assassin who is paid to kill people who are sent back from the future because in the future it's too difficult to um to hide bodies i guess and so and time travel has been invented but it's been outlawed so only villains uh, or 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 criminals use it and they need to get rid of bodies so what they do is they'll take a person and put it in the time machine and send it back to a particular moment and the looper is there ready to instantly shoot that person and get rid of the body and uh and then the idea is that at some point their older self will come back from 30 years in the future and they have to kill their older self and it's called closing their loop and um and at one point his older self is sent back and his older self is played by bruce willis and his older self doesn't want to be killed and so um he he manages to thwart the assassination and uh get out and it's kind of the repercussions of that and it's Man, it's an interesting movie. I, I was really, it's complex, which I mm-hmm. love, but not confusing. Like, it's a confusing kind of concept, but I thought it made sense to me. And uh, they do a good job of kind of laying out the rules of this universe and the rules of time travel. And uh, and the, the cast is amazing. In addition to the two I mentioned, Emily Blunt comes in as the mother of of a young child. Her son is played by this kid who is like, amazing like uh, as a young actor and uh uh paul dano shows up and piper parabo shows up and jeff daniels shows up as this uh as this guy who is basically the kingpin of modern day um insert name of city here so i guess it's kansas city is what i'm is that really what it is is kansas city Oh yeah, wow! It doesn't really make sense, but anyway. So uh, I'll, I'll talk about it more. But uh, what did you think of it? What did I think of it? Uh, I quite liked it. Um, yeah, there, all of the things that you said about it are true. It's uh, I wouldn't call this easy to follow, but y- it establishes its rules and largely follows them. And you know that's kind of all you can ask of a of a mm-hmm. movie like this that's based on you know time travel right uh time travel is kind of a genre of its own and it's funny i was just thinking about this as you were introducing it time travel is not because it's such a trope now in science fiction that it's almost not really science fiction anymore because what a time travel movie has to do is sort of engage with all of the literature and ideas about time travel that have already gone before. You know, mm-hmm. it has to sort of pick and choose, like, how does it handle paradoxes and how does it handle, you know, how does it handle the fact that history hasn't been solved if mm-hmm. time travel is real? And uh, the ways in which this movie does that are really good, but I would say they're almost more literary than scientific, right? Hmm. Um, so... Yeah, uh, but... I did some thinking about that, by the way, um, and thinking about some of the old time travel, you know, how we've gotten there as far. And you go back to, like, um, Mark Twain and uh, uh, a Yankee in King Yankee. Arthur's court, yeah. which, like, that guy got gets bonked in the head and just magically appears in the past. And so it was more magic. Whereas then, once H.G. Wells comes along with the time machine, it becomes a more scientific approach to time travel uh and so 
but you're right. Like there are a bunch of different ways to do it. There's the, uh, I mean, even Back to the Future did a couple of different things with time travel that that worked and didn't work depending on how you look at it. But um, this movie has, yeah, it it does it. It has kind of its own um, its own take on time travel that I really liked. One of them is that if you have someone from the future in the past and you so there's a there's a scene where one of the loopers kind of to illustrate what happens if you don't close your loop one of the loopers fails to close his loop and so what they do is they catch the young version of himself and in order to get the old version of himself to come in they basically start torturing the young version of himself and the things they do to the 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 young version who is from today immediately show up on the old version who is from the future yeah and so like they chop off the guy's finger and all of a sudden he's got one less finger and then yeah. and then another less finger and like mm-hmm. it's and it's shot really interestingly um yeah it, it is i think that is a really neat concept and and it of course establishes the end of the movie very well mm-hmm. um you know uh yeah i anyways i was gonna get into the acting uh, i really loved joseph gordon levitt in this it's funny because I is he wearing a prosthetic? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. he's wearing he had a like prosthetic. Three hours of makeup in order to look uh, yeah. like a young Bruce Willis. Yeah. yeah, but he does a really magical job of, like, the prosthetic almost feels a little like gilding the lily at times mm-hmm. because he's so good at that, uh, that sort of. The way that Bruce Willis will toss a line off and just delivering it in the same way with like the same physical presence that it almost felt a little odd to be like, why does Joseph Gordon-Levitt just like looks weird rather than necessarily like Bruce Willis? Um, But he clearly uh, did a lot of work and research and preparation uh, for character like and and that must be interesting to to do all of that to be like a person. You know, and and any number of actors have done the same thing. You know, if you're playing mm-hmm. Ray Charles or Jackie Robinson or whatever, uh, you're doing all that work. But he had he then had to sit across the table from the guy he's mimicking. Yeah, yeah, and he's and you know, and he's like, hey, here's your acting ticks. I hope you don't mind that I like pointed <laughs> yes. them out to you. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm sure uh, um, uh, Bruce Willis doesn't care. But uh, it was also interesting to see Bruce Willis in another kind of time travel movie you know he did um he did 12 monkeys back in the day and to see two different kind of takes on him traveling back in time Mm -hmm. to accomplish something was fairly interesting too yeah yeah um emily blunt was fantastic in this she's always fantastic yeah but she was really like it's funny because the movie becomes a different movie for a while. About halfway through, it changes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's a thing I wanted to talk about that with, um, because they they foreshadow when uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is is on, kind of in a down place. He goes to the uh, essentially the uh, the the, the uh, a whorehouse, I guess. Is what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, and so, um, but he has his favorite there that he goes to all the time, and he, he he's there with her, and he's not being sexual with her. She, he just has her running her fingers through his hair, and he says he he he'll rescue her from this place, right? Mm-hmm. And and she mentions that she's got her son and all that, and it kind of like foreshadows 
just by mentioning that she has a son, I'm like, oh, that's the son from the... Because I'd seen it before, and I remembered that there was a mm. kid. And I was like, oh, but it doesn't turn out to be her and her son. Right. But they do still have something to do with the story. And I mm -hmm. thought that that was fairly well done. Yeah, a, for, sure. Know, the, for sure. The foreshadowing of this movie and setting things up and executing them and paying them off is uh, really quite well done. Yeah, no, I, I liked... I really liked that. Um, there, you know, so you say this movie doesn't make you work too hard, but I think you have a higher tolerance for this type of thing than I really do. Probably. It is just kind of how my mind works. I don't, I, I do struggle sometimes to really enjoy movies that like pose a big question and then take a really long to pay time to pay it off. Mm. For me, there is a moment when Joseph Gordon-Levitt falls off a building and it's not exactly clear what happens to him right away because we are then shown the loop where he, you know, where he does uh, close his loop and live the extra 30 years. Uh, and that was, that really jarred me because we've, We've already seen that he doesn't close his loop, right? And right. then we see that he does close his loop. And I didn't feel like – I feel like I understand the answer to to what happened there. But I also don't feel like the movie really showed us or told us. I also don't understand why, from a structural standpoint, you don't show that loop first. Why you don't I... – yeah, it's interesting because I think I know why. Um, if, I think the the interesting because the story isn't really about him spending those thirty years wasting his life and then needing to be re needing to be recovered and finding this woman and all that. Um, I think the story is about the young guy, uh, the young version, seeing himself without. Usually they put uh, like a a. a, a what is it called a mask over mm -hmm. the yeah. over the people that they're going to have to shoot so when they show up when they appear to be shot they're bound their hands are tied and they've got masks on and suddenly with this guy he suddenly shows up and he's got no mask on and he's got mm -hmm. his hands aren't tied and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like what the hell and the guy looks at him and he sees that it's himself that's the first time around and I think that's the important story to carry carry forward. So that's why they started there. But then they kind of flash back and showed how that happened, um, which yeah. I think was important. But yeah, I I guess for you just didn't me, like it structurally, yeah, structurally, it really did. I kept waiting for some, like for him to be thrown into the loop again, or like it it was very very confusing because most of this movie is not out of order. And so for that particular thing to be out of order, really, I, I spent a lot of time that I should have spent enjoying the movie, mm. chewing on that and wondering when we were going to get a satisfactory resolution to it. And we didn't. I kind of had to figure that out for myself. And I don't, like, I feel reasonably confident that that's the answer, but I don't feel like... The, okay, so what's the answer? What do you, what? Well, no, just that, that that was so. I mean, the idea is that the, there's like you go through this loop multiple times, and that that you he had to at least once kill himself in order to kick off 
whatever's going on. Right. Yeah. But, the Bruce Willis character is the guy that successfully killed his older self. Right. Yeah. Thirty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that that just my brain is just sitting there chewing on that rather than like enjoying the movie. Uh, um and you and don't so, enjoy that. I don't no, no, okay. I don't enjoy That's a, that. That at is all. a difference between you and I, I think. As I I like to kind of mull over those kind of things and work them out. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Um the other thing that I will say is this shares a little bit of DNA with um Inception in that it does a little bit of like world building where it sets up some arbitrary rules for itself. And then it's like, oh, no, here's some conflict arising out of the arbitrary rules for ourselves. Right. The whole thing about closing the loops and people have it like it's not that that's not explained, but it doesn't feel super duper satisfactory to me. You know, for one thing, why don't they shoot the guys in the future and just send them back dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that feels yeah, like an easier solution, right? For sure. And there is a, um, yep, I agree with you. And uh, and in fact, they say that it's impossible to hide a body in the future or something like that, right? Right. And, and I'm thinking, well... But it's not impossible to hide a time machine? <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, and, they, and they do kind of little, do a little like story story based hand waving like they're like yeah all this information we're getting about the future is kind of second hand yeah and um and so but they show that bruce willis's wife gets shot in the future yeah and you're like but wait what about that body yeah yeah and uh what what did they do there yeah so so like and did they just burn the house to hide that body because that seems that seems easier than using a apparently extremely illegal time machine yeah so yeah again and this isn't one of those movies that made me constantly irritated with its own thing but i I just noticed that like it doesn't follow or i mean it it sets up an arbitrary obstacle for itself and then it's like oh no and i'm like okay yeah i mean i get that and uh, it doesn't stand up 100 percent scrutiny when you when you really look at the like the yeah, I don't want to say the but science I, of it, but no, but I, but again, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna harp on that. It didn't it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything. There sure. there was just there was a big part of me that's like, man, the, the, this would be so much easier if they just shot these guys in the future and sent them back that way, you know? Uh, that's interesting. I, I don't know if they've ever an- if they ever answered that. I wonder if that might be part of the new. Um, you know, in the deleted scene or something where they say about, you know, can't transport dead tissue or yeah, whatever. I don't know. Something like that, uh, right? Yeah. There is one thing that I didn't like about this movie, and that is my penchant for a hero's journey was not fulfilled. And what I mean by that is that there was a way Joseph Gordon-Levitt could have survived. Because hmm. you know, at the end of the movie, in order to, like, Bruce Willis... Old Joe is uh, has got um, uh, Emily Blunt in his sights, and he's going to shoot her. And shooting her is what causes her son, who is a powerful telekinetic, to basically go on a rampage and become a huge crime boss. Right. Mm-hmm. So, in order to present, prevent that, young Joe turns his gun on himself and shoots himself in the heart. And mm-hmm. as soon as he does that, Old Joe vanishes. Yeah. I feel like he could have just shot himself in the hand or shot mm-hmm. his hand off or yeah. something like that. 
Well, like, and that's the, actually what I predicted was going to happen. I was like, oh, he's going to shoot his hand off, and then he blows himself away. And I was like, that's more final. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly is. But yeah. I, I, like, as a fan of A Hero's Journey, I didn't love that. Um, yeah. I, you know, I can see that. I think there, there is... I understand the character's logic there, right? That he is concerned that this child's experiences are what cause him to go on a rampage in the future. And we're never, it's never really made clear what this, I can't remember the special name of that guy, but that. The Rainmaker. The, the Rainmaker, yes. It's not exactly clear that the Rainmaker is another crime boss for sure, right? Like somebody says something about it, but that doesn't really make any sense. Like maybe he's like a, you know, like a Judge Dredd type who's like a lawman who's trying to kill all these criminals by making them close their loops. I mean, there's all kinds of things. The other thing is, well, you know, I was going to give I was going to give it a little crap for like, why do they have to close the loops? Well, like, why? I don't understand why you can't just retire. Let these guys retire. Like, it feels I think they do have a line about that. Probably. Yeah, um, they do. They do. And it feels all very hand wavy. It's like, I don't know if you have such a problem getting rid of bodies, you could save yourself a lot of bodies by just not killing your assassins after 30 years. And why 30 years? Like, that feels super, like, the. I guess the idea is that they can get old. Oh, right? well, 30 years is the, uh, is the, is the time travel window. So yeah. the idea is, is that the time travel device in the future yeah. and the location in the past move together through time. So it, yeah. it always sends someone back exactly 30 years. Ah, okay. So that's where that comes from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, ultimately I thought that the world building was pretty good. I, I really liked that. The world it sets up, it's, it takes place in something like 2045 or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, I, it, you know, being a 10-year-old movie now, putting it in a time that's still 20 years off, I thought was interesting because that time feels like it's a little bit futury, yeah, but not super futury. Like, yeah. And also to think about how, how much has happened in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Sure, I can see time travel being invented in 20 years, you know, what sure. with AI working on it and all that. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, you know, but also humanity's having a hard time of things like, yeah, you know, and I, and I like that it wasn't some gleaming future. Uh, all the cars are kind of like, you know, retrofitted with with rebreathers and, uh -huh. to, you know, recycle fumes and to use solar panels to, for that little extra energy boost. And ah, that was all good stuff. I really liked the... Yeah, I don't want you to think that I didn't like this movie. I liked this movie a lot. Um, the world building was fantastic. I will say my favorite part of this movie is the scenes on the farm. Mm -hmm. I, I think the way that young Joe gets to know, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the character, Sid. but Emily, uh, Sid, gets to know Sid. No, Sid's the rainmaker, isn't he? Yeah, Sid's the kid. Oh, so the yeah, um, uh, the, the, the woman's name is Sarah. So Sarah's the yeah. mom. The way, the, that, the way that young Joe gets to know Sarah and they develop trust between them and they eventually sleep together. Yeah. Um, all feels like really natural and really well observed and really dramatic in a way that you don't usually get in a movie like this because mm -hmm. it doesn't 
for whatever reason, they allowed him to make this movie without being like, well, you got to have another action scene. It's been eight minutes, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and so all of that is really good and it's beautifully shot. And the sense of place that you have about this farm is so good. The fact yeah. that she's growing sugar cane rather than corn is like, what's up, climate change? Right, yeah. like that's yeah, yeah. that's that's sugar like cane a little, in Kansas, yeah. yeah, yeah, because it's because climate change, and so Kansas is now crazy warm compared to yep. what it used to be. Um, every everything about that is just really really good. The way that you know she puts on a a really brave front to drive off what are called vagrants, but she doesn't actually want to kill anyone because right. I think she has a fair amount of sympathy for the plight of the vagrants i think she understands like the best people do that there but for the grace of god go i right like yeah yeah you know this could happen to any one of us and so you know murdering them in the streets is just not you know not on yeah even if they're trespassing yeah i i agree with that and i thought that the also i liked how it, it mirrored old joe's love uh, the way he meets his love, you know, he basically she she nurses him back to health and helps him through withdrawal, which is the same thing that Sarah does for young Joe. And so yeah. even though she's going to be replacing those memories, uh, she's a good substitute, which I, I really like that. And I have to say the kid who played Sid, his name's Pierce Gagnon, 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 G-A-G-N-O-N. Uh, man, that kid was creepy and I believed his power. And I'm like, it's one of those kids, and and I just, as an actor myself, was to I've seen videos of myself acting from you know age twenty, mm-hmm. and I feel like I have become a pretty good actor, right? Mm-hmm. And I was decent back in the day, but I was not great. Mm-hmm. And to see the talent that this kid has at like what ten years old, yeah, just drives me nuts to know that there are children out there like that who can uh, who could act. Yeah, that well. Yeah, um, he did really well. Worth checking out just for just for his performance, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, um, well, we're running uh, short on time. You want to any last words on this before you rate it? I don't have any last words on it, but rating is going to be really tough. Right. I have I have gone. I you know what? I came into this wanting to give it a nine, simply uh-huh. on the basis of my enjoyment of it, and. Despite my nitpicking some details, like, I really, really enjoyed it. I will watch this again at Mm -hmm. some point. Um, I loved Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this. I loved Emily Blunt. Okay, you know what? I'll say it. I wasn't going to say anything. I did not love Bruce Willis in this. I thought he was... Yeah, I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. Yeah, well, Bruce Willis has been fine for many years. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So I, this is a nine for me. I'm going to yeah. give it a nine. Considering the movies around that time, that uh, the other movies that Bruce Willis was doing, like Die Hard sequels and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. uh, and other direct-to-video stuff, um, I think this was a pretty amazing performance we got out of him in 2012. Yeah. Uh, you know, just put a little shade on Bruce Willis. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. You know, at some point, he was, he was paying the bills, and he yeah. did this because he thought it was a really great movie, which yeah. it was. And, yeah. Um, yeah, you gave it a how much? A what? I gave it a nine. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I was I was going to go back and forth on this. I almost went down to an eight, but yeah. uh, because of some of my nitpicky things. But yeah. ultimately, it was so much fun, and there's there are 
there are uh, many, many extraordinary things about this movie. And so yeah. given that, um, I'm, I'm willing to give, accept some of the less extraordinary things. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah that's, definitely that's good pretty one. much how I feel about I'm it. I'm glad I rewatched well. it. I, I didn't remember liking it that much. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Matt. Well, uh, what do you got for me for next uh Next week. week. <laughs> yeah, next week. It's uh, seven days, so it's a week. Uh, I know that you haven't heard of this one, but have you ever heard of Screaming Females? No, I haven't. Well... I actually, uh, dear listener, I did actually ask Travis if he had any tolerance for awesome guitar solos this week. There is a young guitarist in her 30s named Marissa Paternoster who, despite playing in a in a basically unknown band named Screaming Females, made Spin's list of the top 100 guitarists of the century uh, because she is an absolute barn burner of a guitarist. And so I gave you the band Screaming Females. This is a playlist. It's some of my favorite of their songs. In addition to her being a really good guitarist, she's got a really powerful voice with a lot of vibrato. There is a song on here that is actually by Gar... Do you know the band Garbage? I've heard of them. Okay. Uh, like uh, the song you might know is I'm Only Happy When It Rains. Oh, I'm only happy when it rains. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, so they actually had um, Screaming Females do a cover of the 10,000 Maniac song, Because the Night, and it ends with probably a two or two and a half minute guitar solo by Marissa Paternoster. And so I put that, I put the recorded track on the playlist, but if you can watch the video... It is unreal because you have all these very professional musicians. Garbage is like Butch Vig, all these like really big deal musicians. And they all basically just sit there while she just absolutely tears her guitar up. It's unreal to watch. It is so much fun. I, I know like I've showed the video to people who don't even like guitar solos and they're like, that is nuts. So anyways, this is Screaming Females. Uh, Yeah. Tell me what you got. That's great. I will listen to that, and I will watch the video. I did watch the video you recommended last week about the death of indie rock, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that was also fascinating. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah. And um, so I, uh, have you seen the movie Call Me By Your Name? No, I have so, not. Uh, I, this is not a movie that I necessarily had on my list. Um, I did watch it when it came out. It was a big Oscar contender back in 2017. So I got a, I think I got screeners for it for award season. Uh, it is a movie that stars Army Hammer and Timothée Chalamet as, uh, so he's a young, so Timothée uh, is a young man in Italy and then Army Hammer comes in as a as a older man so it's like there's an age difference there but it also is kind of a coming of age romantic drama with LGBT themes and um the reason I'm rec- the reason I want to have uh, revisit it and have you watch it is because uh, Sufjan Stevens actually did some of the music for it and did I oh, think two fun. original songs for this movie and so uh, I want to revisit it in his honor uh, this week. Awesome. So uh, talk about that. Um, but yeah, that's it. Well, that is really, really cool. Hey, listener, if you want to expose yourselves to us, you can write to us at exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com 
or look us up on Facebook at Exposing Ourselves. We'd love it if you dropped a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, please do that. Please do that. Uh, it's it's really important. It helps us grow the podcast and continue producing episodes for you. And uh, Travis. Yeah. yeah. Well, before you say it, I want to say that uh, oh, God, Keith Hampton did, did actually reach out to me. And uh, this is my uh, childhood friend, Keith Hampton, who also uh, is a name we will be hearing again in the uh, not too distant future, uh, reached out to me and said that he agrees with me on my uh, uh, on my. Uh, rating of the band that we listened to last week um which now i can't even remember who it was uh it was a <laughs> mu- no not muse who was it oh man i don't uh the the bats he didn't like no, the, the bats? bits yeah the bits oh. uh, and, and i had the one song that i didn't like because i said it was too noisy the, the the sound within something like that yeah. and he reached out and said i he agreed with me so uh <laughs> that's it so uh you were going to say something oh no i'm not gonna say it now no, oh, well, I'm mad at you now. Oh, you are? Oh, don't be uh, mad at me, because Matt, yeah? I, I want to thank you for exposing yourself to me. Uh, you're welcome, Travis. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. You're most welcome, sir. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye. Bye.